Good evening, everyone. This past week, um, starting last Wednesday and ending yesterday, uh, some of us here um, uh, took ourselves off the leash of our normal routines and obligations and uh, traveled to a mountaintop, mountainside, I guess you'd say, uh, to, uh, uh, as, they, as, they, as, as it's sometimes said, to roam and play in Samadhi. To roam and play in Samadhi. So we had a retreat and um, we were able to uh, sit quite a bit of Zazen together and uh, uh, be undisturbed by um, many extraneous sounds uh, or uh, distractions uh, in, a, in, a very, in a very wonderfully quiet and peaceful place. Um, and while we were there, uh, part of our activity, in addition to uh, sitting, was to uh, study some um, essays, uh, some stories, some Zen stories by um, uh, Zen Master Dogen and uh, Zen Master Kazan. Um, so um, the first uh, story we uh, studied was uh, called um, The King of Samadhis. The King of Samadhis. And this is a text in which uh, Dogen is uh, extolling um, the virtues of the sitting meditation practice that we do um, and extolling his teacher, Ru Jing. We met in China after traveling there to seek the true Dharma. And um, so he, he's extolling the virtues of the practice, which he thinks quite highly of and and extolling the virtues of Ru Jing, who taught it to him. And in the first paragraph of this essay, he says something uh, really remarkable. <laughs> he says, uh, uh, to sit in the meditation posture, to sit in the meditation posture is to transcend the deepest and most intimate teaching of Buddha ancestors. To sit in this meditation posture is to tra transcend the deepest and most intimate teachings of Buddha ancestors. So this would, um, that statement right there would, would, would come as a shock to millions of Buddhists who uh, don't practice meditation and uh, uh, do, uh, you know, um, give a lot of um, credence to the deepest teachings of the Buddha ancestors and the sutras that go back into the distant past and so forth. But uh, Dogen, as, uh, as Reverend Mio has said, was uh, trying to start, uh, to, trying to uh, initiate a, a new brand of, of um, uh, engagement with the Buddha Dharma in Japan and to put at its very apex um, Zazen or Samadhi. And you know, Samadhi means, um, the word Samadhi means, well, Zazen means, you know, sitting meditations. Samadhi means uh, to uh, unify or collect 
or engage the, the mind or the body-mind. And, but also importantly, it, uh, samadhi means to uh, be unified by, to be unified by, to be engaged by, to be collected by. So it's not, you know, it's not something that we do completely under our own power. And um, the the teaching is the, the teaching is that we when we in, engage in sitting meditation practice, um, you know, powerful energies come to our aid, come to our to to uh, assist us assist us in our, our, our meditative engagement. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a back and forth process. It's a back and forth process. And it's, it's good to remember this, I think. And I think when we go on long retreat, we realize that, that, um, that uh, there are, there is powerful energy coming to us coming to us and assisting our zazen and encouraging our zazen. And that powerful energy is created by our zazen, but it, then, it's in, then it's kind of reciprocal. And it's reciprocal with not only w- within ourselves, but with the other people that we're sitting with who are also encouraged by and energized by the, the practice that's, that's happening all around them. And so, you know, in, in this kind of retreat, uh, some some wonderful energy builds and some uh, wonderful kind of um, intention to to um, be as one as we do this practice and so you know the people who went on this retreat were not you know they they have some experience and uh, so it didn't take too much uh, too long to for a kind of a kind of uh, synergy synergy to develop in the room and of course this is exactly what you hope for and dream of in zen practice <laughs> um, and so so there's a, so dogen in talking about you know the, uh, talking about this king of samadhis he he refers to it as a, tra- a transcendent practice uh, and i understand uh, you know, transcendent practice meaning, you know, not not transcending the world or not transcending, yeah, not transcending the world, but just in the sense of the best and the the most pivotal and the most essential, uh, uh, the the highest kind of uh, practice to be engaged with, and uh, and he really emphasizes in this essay. Uh, that um, the the uh, the um, the idea or the truth—it's more the truth—that uh, um, you know um, this uh, this transcendent uh, power is really uh, dependent on our engagement. You know, our you know, it's up to us. It's up to us. It to you know to really engage and so he says I'll just read this second paragraph. 
know that the world of sitting practice is far different than other worlds, from other worlds. Clarify this for yourself. Then activate the aspiration, practice, enlightenment, and nirvana of the Buddha ancestors. Study the world at the very moment of sitting. Is it vertical or horizontal? At the very moment of sitting, what is sitting? Is it an acrobat's graceful somersault or the rapid darting of a fish? Is it thinking or not thinking? Is it doing or not doing? Is it sitting within sitting? Is it sitting within body-mind? Is it sitting letting go of sitting within sitting? Or letting go of sitting within body-mind? Investigate this in every possible way. Seems like he's just done that. Sit in the body's meditation posture. Sit in the mind's meditation posture. Sit in the meditation posture of letting go of body-mind. So I think, um, you know, people that are attracted to Zen aren't uh, attracted uh, because, um, well, maybe there's different stories about how people are attracted to Zen, but I don't think they're looking for uh, somebody to tell them what to do. They're not looking for some expert to tell them what to do, what to think, uh, how to be authentic. They're looking for a practice where they can engage the practice and through the practice themselves know what to do and know how to be authentic and know how to engage. So, you know, people at least, let's just restrict it to me. <laughs> I was attracted to Zen practice because uh, I didn't trust authority. I didn't want, you know, um, I didn't want any, I didn't want society telling me what to do. I didn't want, uh, you know, any authority figures telling me what to do. And of course, this was a problem for me, definitely a problem, because it, it was made me it hard to engage with authority. Um, so that became part of the problem. But, you know, this is in the era when I graduated from college with a degree in economics. The first next course I took was how to fix your car. How to fix your car yourself, you know. You don't and, and, and the ethos at that time was you don't need you don't need a stinking mechanic. You just you just go we show you this is how you change your oil, this is how you rebuild a carburetor. Uh, this is this is how this is how a car works, uh, and at that time, of course, cars were all internal combustion, and you could figure them out. They weren't that complicated. Uh, now, being possible, but at that time, pretty relatively simple compared to today. Um, so it was that kind of ethos. You know, I want to do it myself. I want to do. I want to engage this practice on my own. And uh, it was that kind of, yes, I like, I like this practice because it's something I can do. Um, and on, I don't need anybody, after some you know, very beginning instruction, I don't really need anybody else to, you know, to boss me around about it. I'll just, I'll just do this practice. Um, so I liked it from that standpoint. And of course, 
you know, things went on from there. But um, <laughs> uh, later in this essay, he 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 uh, says, uh, uh, "Thus we know uh, that sitting in the meditation posture is itself the king of samadhis. It is itself entering realization." All other samadhis serve the king of samadhis. Then he says, sitting in the meditation posture is a forthright body, a forthright mind, a forthright body-mind, a forthright Buddha ancestor, a forthright practice realization, a forthright top of the head, and a forthright life stream. When you sit in the meditation posture, the skin, flesh, bones, and marrow of a human being are immediately vivid in the king of samadhis. So when I was at the retreat, because of the power of my concentration at that time, I was able to me- memorize that, that passage, and I, I said it during a period of sitting, I think. Or, or maybe in a talk I gave, but anyway, I said it. And um, uh, later, I, when I came home, I, I, I looked up in the dictionary, uh, forthright, the word forthright, and it means, according to the dictionary, as an adjective, as it's used here, going straight to the point without ambivalence or hesitation. Going straight to the point without ambivalence or hesitation. So this is this is really the spirit of Zen practice, uh, going um, straight to the fundamental point, going straight to the fundamental point without hesitation, uh, without hesitation. And I was intrigued. I was intrigued and took heart and took instruction from this part when he said he said um, it was sitting with a forthright top of the head. And I thought, well, that was an interesting thing to be forthright, the top of the head. But nevertheless, this is uh, the top of the head's an important important part of our posture. It's the highest point, right? It's the it's the most transcendent point of our of our body, and you know when we sit, uh, the 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 goal or the uh, instruction we get is to kind of tuck the chin, make the back of the neck long, and uh, you know let this crown of the head be the highest point, and so there's a sight us. Uh, uh, side feeling of, of lifting up. And uh, my first Zen teacher was, said sometimes like what he would do or he, what he, he, he uh, recommended was that you put your hands down beside you and kind of push up and then let everything settle just only as much as it needed to settle, no more. So like that pushing up motion really gave you this long, um, this elongated trunk and the top, top of the head, the foremost, the forthright top of the head. 
So there's, there's, uh, I take a little bit of meditation instruction from this. Um, well, I take a lot of meditation instruction from this. A forthright body, a forthright mind, a forthright body mind, a forthright Buddha ancestor, a forthright practice realization, and a forthright life stream. Life stream. So this is this is you know the you know a forthright and energetic approach to your sitting practice is what is recommended in this king of samadhis. Engaged, collected, unified. One pointed. That's another that's another definition of, of samadhi. One pointed Concentration is also sometimes mentioned, concentration. Um, and then, of course, when we sit, we notice that this is more easily said than done. More easily said than done. And so our, actually, our next reading was, um, I felt um, uh, that we did was kind of a, you know, Dogen is kind of strict or kind of, um, he doesn't really mention the difficulties of sitting meditation and the fact that our minds, you know, are not easily um, brought to one point and that our minds, in fact, are, seems more easily than not distracted by various uh, thoughts and feelings that arise out of the blue or out of our, you know, our deep karmic processes and, and habits, our, our habit energy. So this, this other, uh, this other uh, teaching that we read was, uh, I offered offered some kind of uh, more like uh, the side of compassionate uh, care for our situation, um, and uh, this this story was um, uh, the story of um, uh, a story about uh, the, the enlightenment of a fellow named Liangshan in China, and this is this is the case. It's not too long. The 42nd uh, ancestor in China was uh, priest Liangshan. He studied with Tongan, the latter, and served him. Tongan asked him, what is the business beneath the patched robe? He was referring to this, you know, this patched robe, this, this okesa. The master, Liangshan, had no answer. Tongan said, studying the Buddha way and still not reaching this realm is the most painful thing. Now you ask me, ask me. The master asked, what is the business beneath the patched robe? Tongan said, intimacy. The master was greatly awakened. So, and we brought up and we discussed 
that there's a new translation of this case, and the and the translation of the word for intimacy is secret. Secret. Uh, or in one other place in the, in the new translation, secret being, secret being. So uh, anyway, I said that there was something with compassionate teaching in this. In the, what happens in this story is there's a comment on it by Kazan, and uh, I really like Kazan's uh, 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 lecture. He says later the master often spoke of intimacy in his teaching. When he settled on Mount Leong, many students asked him about what was beneath the patch robe. Once a student asked, what is the business beneath the patch robe? The master replied, not even the holy ones reveal it. Not even the holy ones reveal it. So that, um, that accords with the meaning of secret. Right? It's it's a secret. It's a mystery. That's that's the implication that I get from not even the holy ones reveal it. Who does reveal it? You reveal it for yourself. You reveal it for yourself with the aid of your teachers and friends, Dharma friends. And then it said a student also asked, "What about?" when it's hard to protect the house from thieves, which means, you know, you're trying to sit, you know, there mindfully, uh, not allowing to not allowing yourself to be carried away by extraneous thoughts and ideas and plans and emotional constructs and all the other things that come up. That's your intention. And uh, how do you protect your house from thieves, those thieves, those things that are always coming to rob you of your samadhi, always coming to take it away from you, Uh, always coming like that. And he says, this is, I feel, his compassionate teaching. The master replied, if you are aware of it, Oh, excuse me, if you are aware of them, they won't trouble you. So this is this is a basic teaching of mindfulness as just being just just greeting everything that comes. Oh, there you are, you know, this emotional you know response, or there you are, this thought about tomorrow or yesterday and so forth. And of course you you may not catch it right away, but at some point you do, you realize. I've been thinking about this, or you know, these these other ideas come, and so you become aware of them. You that awareness, that moment of awareness, that's 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 the that's the turning that's the turning point of this practice. That moment of awareness, moment of awareness after moment of awareness, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of mo- moments of awareness of the thieves that are coming to rob you of your. Um, you know, concentration, your your one pointedness, and and this this is for everybody, right? This is the the situation for for everybody. Um, and then then there then this this same monk apparently uh, carries on this uh, this questioning further. Um, well, after you recognize them, uh, then what? 
Okay, now you've recognized that you've become distracted. Your mindfulness is then disturbed. And, and, um, but through your mindfulness, you've, you've, you've seen this. And so, uh, uh, after you recognize them, then what? What do you do? And then, uh, this teaching says, uh, the master said, you can banish them to the land of no birth. You can banish them to the land of, and then in the other translation, it says, you can banish them to the land of non-arising. So uh, this this brought to mind in the retreat, and I think it, uh, I don't know if I, we, anyway, this Larry Smith, who isn't making it here tonight, apparently, um, it, uh, had, um, and had had an interaction, which he'd been, he's been telling a lot of people about, and which I have his permission to talk about tonight. I had an interaction with uh, the great master, Tenshin uh, Reb Anderson, and uh, Reb had, had brought up somehow the subject of non-arising, had come up in a discussion, and he says, he said in the discussion, I'm not going to talk about it here, but uh, if you want to talk about it, uh, come see me in in the room, in the Dokusan room. So as Larry said, of course, I had to go, you know, and ask about non-arising in the room. And this was during a practice period, so he had, you know, time to do this. And he went in and he said, and, and I guess said something like, what about this non-arising? And apparently, according to his story, Rev just sat there silently for about a minute and didn't say anything while Larry sweated. <laughs> and finally he said, um, oh, some, seemed like something like, uh, you know, don't ask me about this, Larry. <laughs> uh, you know, What's really uh, essential, what the really essential point is patience. The really essential point is patience. And um, during this retreat that we just had, I really got it. <laughs> it I really got it, you know, and uh, so just patience, patience with all the arisings. Forget about the land of no birth. That is, that's, that's a dreamland. That's a dreamland. What you can do and what you can always do is be patient with everything that's coming up. And Yes, that I mean that is so. That's already a steep enough mountain. That is a steep enough mountain for all of us for the rest of our lives, just to be completely patient, or not completely patient, to remember, 
just to remember, oh yeah, patience with that. <laughs> just to remember, try to remember, oh yeah, patience with that. Patience with that stuff. First be aware and then be patient. I think that's a teaching that you can, you, it's enough for whole one lifetime. That's a, that's a teaching that's enough for one lifetime. As far as I can see, I mean, there might be, you might be blessed. You might be blessed sometime in your Zen career with, with you know, entering briefly the land of no birth or the land of non-arising. And, 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 and if you are so blessed, I'm happy. I'm so happy for you and I'm happy for me. If that happens and we enter that land for a little bit, and I've had reports of people entering that land, and uh, that's wonderful. But uh, this is the working man's end. This is working man's end. Not, this is not saintly Zen. This is the working man's end. And in the working woman's end, and the working man's end, um, patience is enough. Patience with the many arisings. This is um, this is a sweet and compassionate, compassionate. It meets us where we are. This teaching meets us where we are, and yeah, I really got it <laughs> at this retreat. Um, and and I and I still have to remember over and over again. Yes, patience, patience, and. Um, you know, because there's sometimes there's, there's disappointment, right? I mean, you really thought you could do it, you know. <laughs> you thought you were doing it, you know, late at night, sitting up under the stars. But patience, directing that to, you know, that kind of tolerance, that's another 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 uh, word we use for uh, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of the Sanskrit word for patience Kishanti 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 uh, is, is, is the is the is the is the um, third paramita right the third perfection patience so many 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 distractions are going to be coming our way. First be aware, be pay, then be patient. And, you know, each time you do that, actually, you, you, kind of, you kind of do banish them for a little bit. You know, there's some banishing going on. You, you set a foot in that land for a minute for, or a few seconds. Uh, because each time you become aware and each time you exercise patience, there is, some, there is some banishing going on. But I don't think the banishing is the point, the main point. The patience is the point. The patience with yourself. The patience with sitting, sitting Zen. Um, and it's, of course, it's quite, you know, that's, this is quite humbling too. It's quite humbling to engage in this practice. It should, it should, 
and it, it should knock us down a peg. You know, it's, it's actually meant to humble us. It's meant to um, show us humility. So, um, yeah, that was our, that, that was my retreat. There's Susan, Karen, Oscar, Jody, Brendan, Sarah, quite a few of us were there. So if you'd like to share any experiences or um, uh, insights, so please do. Or if, what's that? Oh, if you'd like to, I'm inviting comments or questions or yeah, your experience, you sharing your experience. I wonder if um, there's also gratefulness for these things, these distractions, these thieves, because without them, you know, we, we, we wouldn't know ourselves. So not only do we, do I feel that we need to be patient with whatever little piece of BS comes up, but you also have to be grateful for it. Oh, you know that there, ah, oh, interesting. Well, I think that's right. And, and you know, if, if, if we were indeed in, in you know, the, the uh, land of no birth, you know, or non-arising, then um, that's not considered to be actually a very um, um, auspicious place to be in terms of, uh, you know, because human birth, that's a place where, like, um, gods might live, you know, in the land of non-arising. But where human beings live is in the in the land of arising, and 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 they are the ones that can um, mature, you know. Right. And, right. You know, human beings are the ones that can mature. So, uh, I think you're right. Gratitude for this birth, for this for for this and this and this kind of mind that we are given, um, that we were thrown into. So uh, this is sort of along the theme of is this better. This is sort of along the theme of what Susan was just talking about because one of the other participants who was not here today, but he said something that really struck me, and he talked about welcoming the thieves, welcoming them, and then somebody else told the story about the monk who lived in a cave, and the thieves came and he gave him them his clothes, and that story really struck me. Also, um, just like, and it goes with the non-banishing that you were talking about, because when we try to get rid of something, of course we end up more strongly enthralled to it, right? So when we open ourselves to it and accept it, and like you said, Susan, go, oh, 
This is interesting. I didn't know that was in me. Um, I think I think that um, is something to really consider, and it's an it's also another form of patience. And it's the awareness part too. It's it's the that you've you you've seen that thing. I mean, just just that right. you have seen it is you know a blessing. Right. And right. And sometimes you see something, and it's just it's like that really fast flicker, and it's gone. And then maybe it'll come back again and come back again, and eventually you get to see it more fully. So. Um, yeah, uh, I think patience was a, I mean, it was part of what we talked about and it was, it was definitely on my mind. I, I just, I kept noticing over and over again, just the, how interesting it was just to be coming out of your normal life and, you know, whether things are going okay or not so okay, you know, we, we just, it's, it's difficult to summon patience you know, on the, the moment to moment, or you have maybe there's easier parts of the day. And then the days where that person comes around and, oh, sorry, I don't have any patience for you, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but not a lot of patience for, you know, yourself either. And kind of frustrations can, can mount and, and then, and then you're, you know, sitting Zazen for, for hours on end and you're sitting there and, and good things are happening, but your legs hurt and there's, you know, maybe one period is not as good as the next and or the one before. And, um, and, but you're, but you're, you're still working with it. And I think that's, that's, what's interesting. It's like, you know, feeling just like you can't summon patience, that there's no flow, there's no, there's nothing coming forward. And then having this chance to just kind of work it out and experience discomfort or pain or even you know things arising like sadness or a, a past memory coming forward these are things that you know normally in, in my normal life i wouldn't have much patience for and i might go look for something to distract myself or calm you know take myself away from whatever's there but sitting you're just you're there and you're and you're working with it it's not always easy but you're just it's just a different kind of well, body mind state that is, that emerges. So that was really interesting to watch. Yeah, and you you have more and more energy for the work. I think the the, the you know the the energy arises in, in in during the the process, and and then you have so you have energy for even you know as if in, if it gets tougher, you have energy for that. If it gets easier, you have energy for that too. Um, so, and also the feeling of just, I, I kind of just came to a point where I'm just like, you know what, I just have to deal with this moment. I don't have to worry about the next one or what's happening later on or how many periods is we have to sit or the fact that I have to go back to work on Monday. I'm just, this is this moment I can work with. I can deal with this moment and then the next and then the next, you know, so that was, that was nice too. So I had uh, the second, I guess the second and third days were really sweet. 
I was um, just, it was just, well, I launched, launched into emptiness, you know, just, <laughs> it was just so straightforward and easy. And then it all fell apart and, um, and nothing was working. And then the last day I realized, oh, I thought that I was doing that. Hmm. Um, I was feeling pretty, pretty good about my meditation. Things are really going well. Gee, I finally, I, I, I. Hmm. And then the last day I, I kind of caught on to that. And uh, about that time you mentioned the word patience several times. And it just just hit hit the spot, you know. I was just that's oh yeah, right. <laughs> so um, it was a wonderful retreat. Thank you very much, Jim, for your teaching during the retreat, uh, verbal and otherwise. Yeah, I'm really glad I went. <laughs> I learned a little humility. Temporarily. <laughs> now, does Sarah have a comment? Um, I was raised as a Catholic, uh, and uh, I would say a very, very strict Catholic family that was very observant. And uh, my family still says when there's things going on, uh, you know, that I'm going to pray for you or we need to pray for, you know, someone's recovery or health or whatever. And uh, one, my sister-in-law asked me a while back, well, isn't the meditation, that, the Buddhist meditation that you do prayer, isn't that the same thing? And the answer is absolutely not. It is not prayer at all. And the more I, I, I sat with that, the more I thought about it, in prayer, you're a supplicant asking a divine being to do something for you or to take care of somebody else. And in Zazen, Zazen is really good for nothing at all. <laughs> and, but, but then what is it good for and why do I do it? Why would I sit there for, you know, 16 periods of zazen with my knees cracking and my feet totally asleep and my back is killing me? Why would I do something like that for four friggin' days? I mean, that's insanity. It's good for nothing. But I think when we're talking about that the word kasante is really critical here because what we're, what I see that I'm doing in zazen is secret. I'm not going to tell you. But I keep doing it. But I'm not going to tell you why. But what it manifests for me is my ability to, to have compassion for other people. That's how it manifests in my life. And that I can see a, a connection with other people that I might otherwise not want to have anything to do with or, or not even notice. But because of my, my sitting practice, 
I can let go of that sometimes, not always, <laughs> but sometimes there's this glimmer that lets me do that. So my, it is a secret. I can't explain it to you. And it's good for nothing. And it is not the same as a supplicant prayer that comes from Christian communities. And I, I say, you know, I, my family still says that, you know, I'm praying for you. And I have to join in that spirit with them. But it's not meditation. Uh, there's a uh, there's a, a passage at the end of this case that uh, uh, Larry wanted to know how it was treated in the other translation. Um, but this is at the, the, the case about uh, what's beneath the past robed. And uh, so I, I sent him the, the words from the other translation, but the words in this translation are pretty good too, and I'd like to end if there's no more questions with those words. And it, it, it it's almost takes us to an, an, another talk in a way or, or another... Um, another aspect of consideration of the practice Anyway, this um, it's, it says this is the last part of this case, or the, and this is the last part of uh, Kazon's lecture on the on the case. If you want to reach this realm completely, you must first abandon everything. You must not even seek the realm of Buddhas and ancestors. Much less less can there be any love or loathing of self or others. Just look directly within without a hair of intellectualizing. There is without doubt something that has no skin or flesh. Its body is like space without any specific form. It is like pure water which is clear to the bottom completely clear and bright. You just have to know it thoroughly. And then um, there's a verse. Now, how can I reveal this principle? The water is clear to the very bottom. The pearl gleams naturally without the need of cutting or polishing. So, you know, this is, this is reaching, this is reaching some kind of, uh, Point beyond. Point beyond, and uh, or it's it's indicating it's it's pointing a finger, you know, at the moon, uh, and saying there really is something. <laughs> so I think it is. Um, I think there really is something, and you all are really something.